Welcome back to the Dante's Paradiso podcast, A Journey Through the Spheres of Heaven, with Richard Emerson. And today we're back together here with English professor and literature and Dante podcaster Robert Louis Abrahamson. Welcome back to the show. Benvenuto, Roberto. Piacere. Great. Piacere. So uh, we're going to continue our journey today now with the second episode of the Paradiso. And we're going to look at the second sphere, which is the sphere of Mercury, as following the ancient Ptolemaic cosmology. And this is the sphere associated with the archangels in the celestial hierarchy of Pseudo-Dionysius, which is then a sphere for the deep truths and messages about the deeper nature of the world and of being and of spiritual wisdom. And this is also where we take a big step up in many ways from the more personal level with Picarda in the sphere of the moon and personal transformation and the personal vows. And then we're going to look at the bigger scale with world history, cultures, empires, civilizations, and humanity at large. And then also how this is part of something bigger again and should align with the transcendent truths and eventually make us see more of how the divine light and wisdom is shining through the earthly and the material cosmos. So we're going to go first through now the four kind of main blocks in a narrative sense of the sphere of Mercury, which is then the entrance, the speech from Justinian, a very brief mystical experience, and then a long speech from Beatrice. And then we're going to share a couple of favorite tercets. Uh, and also, just very briefly before we start, uh, we had a listener feedback from the last time. We just want to share this as well. So Sean from Dallas in Texas wrote to us and he said, when he was listening to it, he said first that he really liked the community point from the sphere of the moon. And he said, maybe being an American, I'm biased to focus on the individual aspects of things. So that was interesting in terms of the individual and the community part. And then he also said in the middle of it, now we're getting into the depth of it, and I love the personal need to change in order to get the most out of the comedy. Unwillingness to change could explain why so many just read Inferno. And then he wraps up that he liked the, the balance between the references of the structure of the comedy and then staying grounded at the gate of the moon. So we're just very grateful for this generous feedback. Thanks again to Sean in Dallas, Texas. So with that, now Mercury. And I thought maybe, Robert Louis, you could uh, tell us a bit about the sphere in general and then about the ascent and entrance into this sphere. Who is Mercury? Uh, yes. She is the trickster god. Yes. See, I mean, Hermes is, is much more a trickster god, but so is Mercury. He is the god of money and exchange and business uh, and most of all, I suppose, language, rhetoric which is a trick in itself. Mm. And, 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 so, and so it's no surprise that when we get to this place full of um, um, rhetoric, we have a unique canto in, in the whole Divine Comedy. We have one person speaking from beginning to end. He can't suppress himself. Mm. And in fact, in fact he, he's so irrepressible that he goes on to the next canto for three more lines. Mm. Uh, and uh, that's... that's that's what's going on with Mercury. They are there's a lot of word play. Um, there is a, a a new word there. What is it? Uh, um, aduara, which is mm. to 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 bring two into one or something. It's very mm. hard to translate. Uh, yeah, in, into it. What, 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 it. Yes, yes, into it. Um, what what I would like to talk about later, but not just mention now, is. Um, Something that pervades the whole the whole sphere is paradox, mm. and 
wait a minute, here it goes. Um, ogni contradizione è falsa e vera. Every contradiction is false and true. Yeah. That, that's the definition of a paradox. It's false and true, and, uh, which is a paradox in itself. Exactly. And uh, we can talk about that. And then there's also the idea of conjunction, mm. uh, which is which is a central central. It's the it's the point of heaven, after all, is that everybody conjoins and yet remains individual. Yes, um, and that is um, um, uh, one of my favorite lines in in in, in Dante is diverse voci fanno dolci note. Mm. Diverse voices make what sweet sweet music. Yes. In other words, in other words, it's more fun to have lots of different people and lots of different things. Yeah. Uh, and and so and so that leads me to. Dis- I want to discuss for a minute the um, the the entrance to Mercury, mm-hmm. which you cannot you, you cannot talk about without also talking about the exit from the moon. And it only just recently occurs to me, how, how, do, how do they leave the moon? How do those souls, the other souls, leave Dante? Remember the image? From when they leave the sphere of the they, moon? Uh, they, yeah. I mean, Picarda, she just fades into like a stone sinking into the deep. Like a stone sinking into the water. Yeah. Right, and how do the souls in Mercury appear? Yeah, they kind of uh, they appear yeah. like like fish rising up to take to take some food. Yes, like thousands of them. So yes. then we get we get one canto where they disappear down into the water, and then yeah. the next one, whoa, they're coming up out of the water. That and is so, so beautiful. You know, this is just another one of those terribly clever uh, artistic moves by Dante as he re- as he shapes this this great work. Um, and it's not just oh here we go from one incident to the next to the next to the next, mm. but it is diversity and unity. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the diversity is they disappear down the water, they come up out of the water, but they're both united, ultimately in being up in the Empyrean. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's in a way <laughs> you picture this on the stage where these actors exit stage left at the same almost immediately afterwards. Entering from stage right comes the next group, yeah. and it, and and that's this is a dance, and dancing is 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 one of the important um, activities. It's the only activity really, dancing and and, and answering questions. Mm-hmm. That's what heaven is all about. Um, yeah, well, that's that is super beautiful. Also, because after Picarda, like sinks like a stone into the deep of the water, you have this very kind of in a sense, dry, long speeches from Beatrice as well, the scholastic, <laughs> going through all these theological arguments, and then and then he, he glides back into this more spiritual living um, like atmosphere with, with all these lights coming. So Now, now it, it, it's also, I think it's really important to understand the, the first thing that these, these mercurial souls say, and you want the Italian? He says, "Ecco, chi crescerà li nostri amori." Look, yeah. l- look, he's going to increase our love. Yeah, and that's the only thing that matters in heaven. True. Also, the word that, crescere that, that, is that uh, love, 
Yeah, it's just crescere is to, to yeah, and it's, it is it's very kind of fertile, growing with with kind of yeah. energy, yeah. <laughs> crescere. So yeah, yeah. It's the idea, you know, Mark Twain had this has has this. Um, you know, the whole business was nonsense to him, and he just who we picture that heaven is about about people sitting sitting up there. Um, playing the harp and singing praises of, we're, we're, none of us can sit for more than ten minutes in church doing all that, and we expect to do it all eternity just sitting there. Well, no, I mean for Dante, it's there's no sitting around. Mm. There's constant activity and joyful activity that is always increasing. And um, that that points to a, a very deep point that comes much later, but that in like the heavens and the spiritual realm is eternal. And it's in one sense is unchanging, but there is activity constantly, even if. Well, it's... that's the paradox. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I also uh, just noticed, like when you said conjoining, because uh, I was listening to your episodes on on Paradiso on your podcast, and uh, the way you repeat this idea of conjoining is so important, and I, I love it because it's a, uh, it is as you said one of the main ideas that is necessary to kind of get an, an understanding of. Uh, and also now that you said that they are together in harmony is um, like the diversity of it, but they are in harmony. Like there's, in a sense, there's great diversity in Inferno, but there is no harmony. <laughs> yes. So that's kind of the big contrast. There's, there's no unity. Yes. There's only diversity. Yeah. And then that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the opposite effect. Now, look, I always like to take this little step backwards. What we are doing right now, you and I, is diversity and unity. Mm. We are coming from two different, two different sort of points of view and backgrounds and so on, and yeah. yet, yet we're in harmony. Yeah. I mean, we could we could do a podcast where we say bitter things to each other and disagree. No, you're all wrong about this. But, but yeah. we're heavenly here, and and you know, and it's wrong to read to read Paradiso as all oh, that. Okay, I understand what heaven's all about. Fine, or to say, okay, someday I hope to get there, but. But Dante's describing what heavenly behavior is like right now with us. Yes, and, and this is—it's just he gives us images to to help us see the heavenly activities we do right now. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, just so true. Yeah, uh, but also when you said like when two different perspectives come together, but they have the same aim in in a sense, then you yeah. things grow out of the conversation that none of the like the two two people wouldn't wouldn't think of it necessarily themselves. So you have this this emerging abundance that can come out of the joining of two things of, of different it. natures. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, one more thing to say about this beginning. You you were saying, or with Sean from Texas, from Dallas, yeah. said uh, that the personal, you know, and, and and the point you made in the podcast too, that um, the moon is about the, the, we see personal things and then here we Justinian gives us a larger view. Mm. But Justinian also is for the personal he is personal mm. so that so that it's not like okay he was personal on the moon now we move on to something else mercury it is we we subsume the personal yes. into the paradox because it um uh, what, cesare fui justiniano sono i was caesar i was yeah and, and that i want to talk later about that paradox of individual and office um, so that, so that you know, we can count the things that go on in the moon that are then enlarged in the next sphere. Yeah, 
and, and maybe we'll see that at, at Venus as well. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's both like how the individual is is like conjoined or, or absorbed into the the bigger scale of the what you could say like the the society, the culture. But it's also that in a bigger sense. <laughs> that is also, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it, it keeps, it's recursively almost that Dante zooms back and then he joins things together, but there's still something more. So the dynamic works on different scales. It grows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's kind of astonishing how much it grows from, like we have 10 steps <laughs> in Paradiso. And step one is so dense and, and full of, new things to think about and understand and apprehend. And now just the, the the increasing of scale to the second is so immense. So you could, it's almost like you wonder yeah. what is coming above that that can kind of match. This. Yeah, exactly. What next? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where so, can we uh, go next? Okay, we've, we've handled the incarnation, the crucifixion, the, yeah. you know, the, all of European history. Yeah, world history, the biggest down. biggest civilization until, so so far. All of this is just compacted into a small thing. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get to this very soon. Now. So just um, just looking at the entrance, uh, if you've got all the points here, like we have the thousand thousands of lights, the souls approaching Dante, uh, as you said, as, as fish who wants <laughs> who wants food. Um, you have the idea of giving divine love will mutually increase it. It's kind of part of what they're saying, uh, and then. There is uh, the pilgrim is then uh, interested again in questions, and he's told to believe what they say. You have the truth of the souls, and then again, like these doubts and questions will bring us up from from uh, like kolla kolla, like uh, from hilltop to hilltop, up towards the final kind of or the bigger understanding. And then uh, the last point from the entrance part is that, and then how the the light of the souls is outshining their figures, so you can't really see the faces or the the, the silhouettes of the figures anymore because there's the the opening to the divine light, the channeling is just too strong at this point. So, do you think you can't see the figures, or do you think that you you can still see them, but you, because it's only it's later on when they become merely points. Yeah, and I think there's still a sense of a figure within that bright light. But yes, um, well, he can he can see the light pouring out of the eyes of Justinian when when he has a question, because then Justinian is so happy, like the spirit, the soul of of Justinian. Yeah. So it just it just overflows with more I light. Exist to serve you. Yes. Yep. So, uh, and that's also interesting because Justinian is kind of this majestic figure of having been an emperor in the Roman Empire and the one who moves or tries to move the the imperial eagle from then uh, Constantinople, which was then the capital of uh, the Roman Empire, and back into Italy. So, uh, let's just stop a second and think about what you just said about Justinian. Mm -hmm. Not only is he an emperor. But he, he, he is such an important figure for Dante and others uh, in European history. And I'm trying to think of something comparable for us today. You know, you think of Magna Carta. Wow, you know, that's the foundation of everything. But, you know, Justinian's more than that. And mm. uh, um, uh, it, it, without him, there would have been no general laws around. And so that he was... He was um, Oh look! I'm, it's like Encanto One of Inferno. Oh no! I'm meeting the greatest poet, and here, and here, Encanto mm. Five or Six. Oh no! I'm meeting the greatest emperor, and, yeah. and nothing short, nothing, nothing small in this poem. No, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's uh, the, the whole feeling of like you said earlier that Justinian is 
is filling the entire entirety of Canto Six with his his just monumental speech and and recounting of the whole the whole world history um, up to that point. So um, it's also like a side thing if people like this um, kind of vertical reading. So Canto Six in Inferno is then about Florence. Canto Six in Purgatory is about Italy, and now Canto Six in in uh, Paradiso is about the Roman Empire and kind of the, the whole world civilization as Dante saw it as his time. So that's a, it's a bit of a side thing. Which of, course, would, which of course is a little problem mm. um, that, that it's Eurocentric, as we would say. Mm. You know, you can't move the capital to Constantinople. It's too far from the center of Europe and Europe is the center of the world. You know, you know yeah. that, that's all very fine in, you know, 1320 or whatever, but, but, you know, we are spending so much effort in the past, what, 30, 40 years um, adjusting that, that that view to see that there is the rest of the world. Mm. So I'm always, I'm always concerned about how a modern reader responds to the poem. Yeah. And, and, and this is something, and there's something even worse coming up, but this is something that may, you know, get people upset and, uh, and and that's okay because you, you've got to play that game of both knowing how you stand about the world today and extending your imagination back to the 14th century to see how somebody else understands it. And if it's different, then take that seriously and see what you can take from it and expand your own view instead of being too parochial and dismissing a Eurocentric view. Mm. It's like... It's like um, um, you know, in 1492, Columbus discovered America. Wait a minute. What do you mean discovered? It was there all the time. And, mm. and we don't like the word discovered anymore. And yet, and yet, for a European in 1492, it was the most amazing discovery. Mm. So, that, so that it expands our imagination to, to take other views seriously. Yeah, yeah I agree. I had a bit of that feeling, I thought, uh, when I went to Rome uh, some years ago, and then you're standing in the ruins, and, and the size of the columns, they're just so so massive. <laughs> and then just thinking, like, as they saw it, this was the entirety, uh, and as they knew it, this was the entirety of the civilization of the whole world. So it's like to understand the experience they had of, of living in Rome, then... then uh, like you say, there you, you sort of have to try to put yourself into their their view and then perhaps abstract it. Like that, this is like when Dante talks about the Roman Empire. That is the the world history as he knew it. <laughs> so, so then then you can you can kind of draw knowledge from it and understanding of how he. Yeah. So diversity and unity. <clears throat> they have one view of the world. We have another view of the world. Mm. Not just geopolitically, but of course cosmo cosmologically as well. Uh, so diversity, but the unity should be that that we're all aiming for well this kind of um, of, of, of um, dolce note and mm. uh, um, yeah. you know and, and, and harmony together. And so so that makes it if we all had the same view of the world, certainly according to Dante, yeah. that would be that would be bad. And yeah. that may move us to something that is, um, I'm sorry, I don't remember if you spoke much about this on the podcast. I, I'm not sure. But it, it's the um, Justinian's heresy. Um, 
the, the monophysite heresy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I, I didn't uh, talk much about that. Which is easy to pass over because Justinian mentions it in just you know one terse. Yeah. But um, it's always fun to play with heresies mm. um, because it's 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 not the church being cruel to people that disagree with it. It is the church saying, I, I think your view diminishes the, the love of the universe. I mean, that's when the church is being in its best behavior. Yeah. But a monophysite, there was all these arguments about the nature of Christ and the nature of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and monophysites said that that Christ was only Christ. Christ, or Jesus, was not a human being. He was just a divine being. Mm. Um, and so there was no paradox of, of human and divine in the person of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and if you take that view, that the only thing that's real is the divinity, and that there is no incarnation into our world, then our world is no longer sacred. Mm. Yeah. The incarnation tells us that our world is sacred, that the rain coming down is 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 sacred. It's all part of a, a just Justinian telling us this history is all part of a larger plan, yeah. and God is there present in it. Um, uh, and a monophysite would say, "No, he's not. No, this is just you know just convenience. Mm. This, you know, we really just want to rise up out of it." And if nothing else, Dante. Dante contradicts that by when you're up in heaven, you're still talking about the earth. Yeah. You know, Justinian's still talking about Guelphs and Ghibli's of all things. Mm. Uh, it, it, and later on, even higher up, there's a huge condemnation. Is it Peter who condemns um, condemns all this, the way his church has gone yeah. bad? And the, yes, yeah, yeah, the popes. <laughs> so that, that's the ultimate paradox. Yeah, but, but and I agree, it's 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 extremely important because the the overall view is the unity of the spiritual and material. So if you just yeah. if you just disconnect it and say the spiritual is the <laughs> is is the, the 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 main real one, then then you you lost the unity, and that's I mean this is what don't the I mean the whole comedy is about this unity. I mean it's even in some parts or some some ways that is the reason why the pilgrim has a physical body is because he goes through the spiritual realm as a material person because it's the unity like he in like the the comedy embodies this idea of of the unity that he's he's a real flesh and bone person in the spiritual and experiencing both of it so so uh yeah as we are as we yes, exactly. As exactly, and that's that's what's supposed to reflect us as readers. Like, yeah, we are doing the same. We are walking around in the earthly, but we are also engaging and being a part of the spiritual realm at the same time. So that's, I mean, it's a mystery of the human being of being a human being. So that, so that, we've got, um, you know, Justinian's. Well, I suppose one of his main point is that history is is got a pattern. It's a shaping pattern. Hmm. It also has individual lives. Within it, and where does he say? He says that um, um, the, the empire is the unity of diversity; they're all conjoined. Um, governo il mondo li di mano in mano. So, in other words, the emperor governs from hand to hand, which is this emperor, that emperor, individual emperors. But it's it's all one. It's the, the image for that is the eagle. The eagle is the image of the unity. Yeah. Um, and 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 if you um if you're a monophysite, 
you don't see a pattern in the world because the world is completely random, yeah. which is a modern view, I suppose, isn't it, in many ways. Um, and and you've lost that sense of meaning in the events. I mean, we look around today, let's not go into that, but we just such mm. cruelty and chaos and where are we going to go? And Dante keeps saying throughout the Divine Comedy, things will be adjusted. Things will, they will get their comeuppance. Um, yeah. And you know, I suppose I have because there's no more Guelphs and Ghibellines now, are there? It's <laughs> <laughs> <This is> true. <laughs> well, most... I mean, you're already now pointing towards what I think is the, is maybe the main takeaway from the whole sphere, which is like the transcendent truth is the eternal truths. And that is what is real and there. So when humanity or, or the empire sort of civilization starts straying away or diverging away from the truths, things will go badly and it will eventually gravitate back towards the truth because that is what works. And that is the reality. So, uh, so in a way, this is like what I see how Dante is then looking at the Roman Empire, like through this lens, like is the divine truth, divine, the transcendent truth shining through the, the empire or not? And then this has to be aligned. And it's supposed then, in, it's kind of my, my hunch of this is that it's supposed to train us as well to see the world now through that lens. Like is the divine shining through? Is the truth shining through or not? I mean, you know, this this is also seen when you say, do the right thing no matter what. Mm. And of course, it, um, because because you don't know the whole pattern. We don't know the whole pattern. True. We just know that there is one. I mean, um, uh, individuals just have to act on faith that there is this pattern. And, and the only way to, to do it, you know, to, to join with the pattern is to do it with, well, with love. Yeah. I suppose is the right. Saint Augustine says, you know, there's a <clears throat> there's diversity of different ways of interpreting any text. Yeah. But but the 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 only criterion for judging whether it's a right interpretation is whether it fosters caritas, whether it fosters greater love. Yeah. Um, so that so that we could um, we we can read the Paradiso as being an, an allegory of you know, the the, um, the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we could do that. I'm sure we could. Um, and 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 if if that interpretation make gives us greater love and openness to the world ourselves, yeah. then that okay. That's the unity from the diversity. I mean look, this diversity and unity can just carry on for you know that's all we can talk about if we wanted to yeah that's, well i mean it's, that is the trinity in some ways like the idea of the one and the many yeah. so so yeah. it's it's a, i mean it's one of the deepest or maybe well, the deepest also, idea it's also that other <clears throat> other image of the dance yeah yep um i don't think anybody do they does anybody in in, in paradiso dance by themselves i don't think so this is this is uh, good, you know, probably not in, in injunction they yeah. all they're all dads together the, the diversity of people coming together for the you know to, for, for this harmonious movement yes and i love the last word because it was on my mind that the motion is a key here it's not just that they're yeah. like structurally in the system together that there is movement and kind of life in it so um okay so uh this whole speech of justinian um so he then speaks for one whole canto and uh, one more, two more uh, tercets. Uh, 
But he makes the arguments. He goes all the way back to the beginning of time for like the Roman civilization, the Roman eagle with uh, Aeneas and uh, Virgil's poem, and then how they increase virtue. It's a bit like what you said, like understanding the world or like uh, aligning that and with love, caritas, that uh, if you think of the, the medieval idea of like the meaning of the earthly life is to increase the understanding of the divine essence. And that this is kind of this continuous process that we are gradually understanding more and more. And then we hopefully are get better at aligning with these eternal truths. And then that that's, that is also part of the whole uh, teleology, kind of the telos, the, the, the aim for us as humanity is to, to work on this this continuous <laughs> process. Uh, and then Dante is reflecting this maybe in some part and in how the Roman Empire is first increasing virtue in the beginning and then... Um, the empire is, when it's established, and then with Caesar, they providing a stable context for what comes then as the redemption with Christ. Uh, and then Dante goes on to, after that, talking about the misuse and rejection of the eagle. And then the last part is the, the Romeo, his little story about Romeo. Uh, but do you have any thoughts of this, like how he is showing what you said with Caritas and, and kind of understanding more with how he how he portrays the history of the Roman Empire? Um, well, no, do we want to talk about that? You know, you, you read, <coughs> you can read history under this larger view. Mm. And when you do that, then you see some, I mean, there's Titus who comes along and he, and he, and he smashes Jerusalem. I mean, that's mm. a great tragedy. You know, he tears down the temple. Um, he, he, he takes away all the precious things. This is, this is no heroic act, frankly. This is, mm -hmm. this, this is nasty imperialism, at least in our eyes, you know. Mm -hmm. But if, if you're reading it, if, if Justinian is reading this in, from the subspecie eternitatis, from the eternal viewpoint, um, when was this? This was, this was um, um, several decades, several decades after the crucifixion. Yeah. But now we get the vengeance upon, you know, and then we get this nasty business about it's the Jews' fault. Yeah. It's in year year um, seventy eighty. This, this is the real. This is the real problem in Cantos six and seven mm. for a modern reader. Um, well, for some other others, I'm afraid <laughs> salute. Yeah, 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 of course, <laughs> it's not, and we we really have to struggle there to. Um, to say, well, okay, that was the view of the of the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages and up until recent times, and um, um, just see how fit how that fits in. <coughs> it's a paradox, um, but but it's it's nasty, and we have to somehow um, not not ignore it, um, yeah, uh, but but not not salute it exactly. Um, so that that's something that. That, um, but I like the idea that you see, you see, if you can see the history from the larger pattern, then you see individual actions in the bigger context. Yeah. So, so, um, um, you know, well, this applies to anybody's individual act. Uh, you know, you go back in your life and you see, you know, oh yes, I had that girlfriend. It was it was disastrous. But then, when you see in the terms of your larger life, you say, actually, if if we hadn't done that. Mm together then i wouldn't be where i am now and look how it all shapes up and and so you know part of, besides being theological and everything else this is this is an amazing poem about the movement of history yeah so it's um, true and i 
I think the, the first few times when I read Paradiso, um, I saw this as more just like Dante's personal interest in some ways of of history. So he kind of thought that he could put this in to just uh, outline world history because he was interested in it. But but this time, I, because it's going into the deep of the original Italian, you see how that is a, of a lesser importance. It is how this whole of the civilization and hum, human civilizations at large and human history is a small thing compared to the spiritual realm and the eternal patterns that we are kind of gradually trying to understand more of and then how in some ways how we are kind of very in, in an, like an infant stage of being a species with self-awareness if you think of like cosmic scales <laughs> that and the solar system if you look at it from the outside you can see this little planet and and human humanity the human species as very recently starting to to uh at, well we don't know when you have like internal um, awareness of things but at least express it through culture and being more engaging in these patterns uh, and trying to learn more. So it's a bit like Dante is describing the, the stumbling of a young species in a sense. There's also there's also that Mercury is what's it called the Piccola Stella. It's the smallest yeah. side. It hides behind the sun. Um, yeah, which is um, well, we could get to that later. But you mentioned Romeo. Yes. So Romeo is, uh, and then just for the listeners, so like the most of the the canto is just about. Well, Justinian and the Roman Empire, but then he adds a little story about uh, Romeo at the end there. But it's still the voice of Justinian. See, one thing that we're talking about, and this moves on to um, to some larger um, themes, and it might even be our mystical experience too. But uh, there is the there is the essential human paradox. I mean, Jesus Christ was pure, was was perfect God and perfect man, but but we are. A true self, and what Thomas Merton called a false self, or we call the ego, mm -hmm. or the persona, and and and, and you know, the parts that we act out, um, which are not our true self. Our true self is our soul, and and you know, part of a contemplative vision is to see this distinction, and not deny the 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 the, the, the persona, but but to see that the two are working together, conjoined together. Um, and that's what you get when he says, "I was Caesar, and now I'm Justinian." You know, I, that my, that's my role in life, and yeah. this is my soul as Justinian. Now, what did Romeo do? He had this very important role, and he played that role. And when that role fell apart, he he abandoned his he he became in a way a saint in life and he just lived his soul he gave up everything else um he he is what king lear calls being unaccommodated man the, the pure naked self and mm. and, um, and did not go out for prestige or any of those things okay um it's what we call the second half of life where you mm. i mean this is no mezzo and the second half is what Dante is doing too. You learn to take yeah. off all the all the persona and just be your pure self. So it takes it takes um, you know a hundred a hundred cantos till Dante can be pure enough to enter into the into the God Himself. Compare that with Pierre de la Vigne in Hell, mm -hmm. who like like Romeo was accused of barratry, of of corruption, and um, and and yet and yet. Pierre de la Vigne clung to his ego, and he yeah. couldn't he couldn't bear 
the thought of the humiliation of being paraded in public, uh, you know, blinded and in chains, and and it was too humiliating. So um, the word is that he he dashed his head against a wall and killed himself. I find that pretty hard to do, but I've never really tried. Um, but but he killed himself. I can't take any more, and that's why he's in hell. Whereas Romeo said, "Okay, I'll give it up." And I will just be just go around as my pure self in life. Mm. And then, of course, the next step is Dante, who also was accused of the same thing as Romeo and and Pierre, um, innocently as he as he as, as we have no reason to doubt. And and what did he do? You know, he made the best of his poverty, and he wrote the greatest poem we ever have. Mm. So that so that. Um, Romeo is not just this this sort of coda to to Canto Six, but but is a kind of image of so much more. Mm. True, and and maybe there's a bit of um, though Mercury is also about those souls who were too ambitious, um, or they were too too mm -hmm. concerned about their earthly glory, but they were still yeah. They, yeah but they they still <laughs> they still came to paradise, but they they were like they were too much tilted towards their own. Uh, kind of vanity, perhaps. Then, um, but this this really changes at the end of of uh, Romeo's life. Then, for, for sure. Um, yeah, just imagine what he was like when he was in power. He must have been. Well, mm. I'm the I'm the top guy, and you bow to me, man. Mm, exactly. Yeah. No wonder he had enemies. Yeah. So, but but you do sense a, maybe a little bit of like this uh, alter ego idea of of that Dante is is uh, seeing himself or portraying a little bit of his own own destiny in the character of Romeo. At least many commentaries usually make that connection. So, uh, and then also when Dante says that if if people knew, like the like the love in his heart or something to that effect, then they would he would be even more appreciated than this Romeo figure for yeah. for how he how he handled his his last part of life. So, um, yes. So that's the end of of uh, Canto Six and the, the long speech of Justinian and. Um, then if we move to then Canto 7. Um, so here, uh, the first three tercets are very interesting. The first tercet is just a prayer that comes from Justinian, where he blends uh, Latin and Hebrew, and Dante makes up a couple of endings by himself <laughs> uh, as um, just a praise to the heavens and the, the light that is shining down on the souls. And then you get two tercets with, uh, with this... It's a bit of an echo of this first mystical experience when when Dan, the pilgrim and Beatrice ascend from the Garden of Eden, uh, which is just very brief, but it's kind of intense. And then all these thousands of lights are just uh, spinning like uh, very fast, and and then they're uh, in a dance to his voice like a song, and then they suddenly kind of subito, they like suddenly they kind of vanish into the distance. Um, so, do you have any thoughts on, on that that kind of transition from <laughs> Justinian's speech? And to what comes afterwards? Well, they, they disappear as fast as they arrived. Yeah, you know, in um, in in Inferno, when we met all these all these, all these people, mostly the the um, functionaries, they did their job, and then they've gone. Mm. Like Garion, Garion yeah. sullenly just dumps them at the bottom, and he's gone. Yeah, and like an arrow from a bow with a poof, he's, he's yeah. up there again. Yeah, um, and and. And in Paradiso, the same thing happens. They don't say, oh, let's just stick around for a little more chat. Yeah. They've done their job. 
and and they go back, uh, but they don't just zoom off. Mm. They, I mean, they do a fireworks display, you might say. Yeah. Um, and, and they they're dancing. Mm. You see, I mean, Gurian does not dance. Mm. You know, nobody dances in except except the feet of the um, Simoniacs dancing. Yeah. Um, with the fire on the soles of the feet, but that's not that's an inverted dance. True. So, very true. So yeah, well, there's also that 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 that's that difficult line there that dopio um, lume sadua. Um, he's sort of entwined or something in a double light. Yeah. And there's the paradox too. The double light. I suppose. Well, who am I to to, to decide? But. Uh, um, you know, there he is as emperor and in, an individual soul. Mm-hmm. True. So, um, so yeah. So f- for him, I think that is correct. I I think there's also a, like a deep, like a double or like another aspect of this because it's gone on all the souls. And I'm thinking of this as we reached a point where you you could see both the, so, uh, the light of the soul, individual soul, and you see the divine light directly, kind of the they're opened up enough so you, you yeah, see yeah, both sure. these things at the same time kind of joined uh, a little bit like Beatrice has earlier said to the pilgrim which I think is one of the threshold moments in the beginning which is the she says to the pilgrim I can now see the divine light shining in your mind and that's that's when the kind of it's not just a spark anymore it's kind of it's a presence and then now this is even stronger in in the souls and how they look I've never done this but what one you know what one could do should do I guess is is to is to trace out the steps by which Dante's vision gets better and better and better. Yeah. One way you tell is by how much brighter Beatrice gets. Yep. And it's not that she gets brighter, but that his vision can take in. And it's not about how much can you see, but it's about how much can you take in. Yeah. And I mean that's you know, and that's the problem with, with Picarda. She can take in only so much because of her sort of damaged soul and, and the same thing with mercury mm. they can you know compared to, to, to people higher up it's what you can take in yeah and, and I, I think this is constant reminder that, like it's both um uh, what you say like uh not a warning but it's like just uh, it's telling us to be patient that this is a gradual <laughs> yes. process yes. and then but it's also yeah. motivation that like it will actually increase if you just if you are patient and stay with this and gradually taking a bit more, you will have the, your capacity will increase because you will understand better well, what we're talking about. So I want to move a second to Beatrice's speech, which is Beatrice says three times, I think, in the canto. Now look, follow me here, pay mm-hmm. attention here. But she, but she says, go inside, look inside, look in your deepest self. Yeah. Um, so that's so so that's how we judge these things. I'm telling you this story, this explanation. She says, mm-hmm. now, "Now, I think, I think that what's going on there is, you know, we can read Canto Seven with all that scholastic argument, and and write <clears throat> and write a, write a nice academic paper about it, and here are the arguments, here's the points, um, and and uh, and yet, it's done nothing, you know, it's merely academic." We, we have to look inside and see how our deepest self, deepest self, she keeps saying deeper, mm. our deepest self responds to that. And if it resonates, then then not only do we know that that's true, 
but also it is now enlarging our own self. Mm. So that, so that I mean, I don't, not too many people talk about this, I think, but, it, it, you know, Paradiso is a lesson in, in how to expand your own soul. Yeah. And it's not from learning all the, all the, all the doctrine. Because, of course, as she says, you know all this stuff already. Justinian says, you know all this stuff already. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, let's put it like this, and you will then realize this, this larger view. So, yeah. Um, well, I agree. That's, and I, that's how you can get through the Jewish speech. <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe one way to, if you want to have a sense, if you, if you start understanding Dante's deeper arguments in Paradiso, is that you actually change the way that you will notice that you that you change like the way you experience and apprehend the world around you will start to change when you hear things so just walking through the street and and seeing people and thinking about like world history or or anything then that your mind actually starts to change and you get this bigger uh, bigger context or the more unified context so you will actually notice that you you are changing inside i think that's a it's not necessarily a test I would like if you to know whether, it, but, hmm? yeah yeah no exactly i would like to know whether the the original italian readers underwent this sort of transformation too I, but it's it's not our business to know that you know this is not yeah. our, our job it's a good question isn't that it's, what isn't that what who says that solomon says that um further up he says don't judge you can't judge somebody else's soul yeah well, I mean, way on the side, but I was looking at the map of Florence today, and I was living there for two years, right next to Piazza Santo Spirito. And I just called it Santo Spirito all the time, but it just and it occurred to me, that it, it literally means Holy Spirit. So like, in, in your environment, if you live in Italy, you have all this beauty, and you, you actually yeah. go to, let's meet in the in the square of the Holy Spirit. That That is the, the everyday talk. <laughs> so it's... Um, it probably has a, a, at least an unconscious effect on on uh, people still, and it, it's it's kind of everywhere in the culture, or a deadening effect. I'm not sure. Yeah, that, that's exactly. Oh, it's just name of a square. What the hell? <laughs> that's God. No, it's just. It's All right, just this is different. yeah. On the side again, but I've I've I have Italian friends who say that they they think people people who discover Italy are very lucky because they see all the beauty of it. But if you grow up in it, you're kind of exhausted from early age with all this yes. history and all, all this immense culture from both the Renaissance and from the from the classical age. Uh, even I, I guess they will still love the Renaissance for its beauty, but 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 it's it's um, kind of for them it's almost like they want to breathe a little bit from out of that at least temporarily, and then they can't go back in. But, yeah, they make money out of it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I. Uh, there's a gallery in Florence and uh, a modern art gallery, contemporary art gallery, very small, not very many people know about it. And I talked to the owner there and, and he just said that, uh, he called the Renaissance uh, una limite for modern art and for uh, any kind of new thing because like a limitation, because it's, it's all, it's so overwhelming, like the, the, the Renaissance and the 13, 14, 1500s. So, so, but. But it's also the, the beauty of it and, and the gift to us today, I think, that is still there. So. Well, it's like Shakespeare is to English literature. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a mixed a mixed blessing you may, in some sense, perhaps. So, um, uh, okay, so but the Beatrice's talk and her speech. So this is also then for about 43 tercets. And she goes through uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier, like this paradox, like the, how things can be just and unjust at the same time. And 
than the crucifixion in itself and also the the destruction of of the temple um, in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Um, so she talks about the redemption, why there was a need for redemption and why there was a need to have it in the way it was. And then at the end, she has a little bit about matter, uh, physical matter, which is uh, in, in some ways it's a side note, but I find it incredibly interesting because she explains, she describes, and this is 700 years ago, uh, the idea of quantum mechanics and quantum physics, where she explains how physical matter is a joining of something she calls uh, pre-matter or pre-matter or potential matter, uh, which is then joined with like the virtues or kind of organizing principles of like an eternal spiritual uh, nature. And when these are joined, you get the emergence of physical matter, which is then transient and corruptible. But this is how people in modern physics talk about matter as kind of arising from these quantum field uh, equations. So it's just astonishing how Dante describes this 700 years ago. And it's just a side note to explain why resurrection is possible because the spirit is eternal and immaterial and then matter is transient. And then you could join this anew if, if, if you want to. But, but, but it also describes why things corrupt. Yes, exactly. I, I think that's more important. You know, yeah. So if you talk about if you talk about as Justinian does that that there is a divine purpose running throughout history, well, how come everything goes wrong all the time? And this yeah. is the argument of people who say, well, you know, if I were God, I would never let this happen. Exactly. Uh, and, and, yep. Uh, so I agree. And she explains that by saying. It's corruptible. Of, I mean, we're this far down in the scheme of things. <laughs> in in the terms of of the the nature of the material world, that is exactly like the, the main point of it. That it is secondary. It's not primarily created. It's not directly created from from the heavens, from the divine. It is a secondary product, and therefore, it's um, yeah corruptible. So well, mediated, uh, uh, mediated and and immediate. Those yep. those are handy terms. Exactly. I mean, look, there has to, this energy has to go through so many different layers from the Empyrean down to us here. No yes. wonder, you know. It, I mean, we had that explanation about the moon. That's why the moon is, is yeah. at spots on it. Because it's you not see, it's, quite, you know, it has to come so far down, down to get to the moon. Well, we're even more spotty. Exactly. And it's it's still so beautiful the way the, the, the divine essence is then kind of turned into like a mirror like millions of aspects through the fixed stars and then they kind of blended together in different in different blends and joined with the material world it's um it's such a like a nuanced and sophisticated way of of looking at how this is joined together so um yeah yeah and it um, becomes more and more as as we progress indeed yes so but it's, it's one of those like Already in the second sphere, we see how Dante is building on many of these uh, explanations from the first sphere, both how you apprehend the world and also how you understand the nature of, of the world and the cosmos. So it's, um, it's just a reminder how important the first gate of the moon is to, to understand the arguments. Mm -hmm. um, so, but her, uh, her speech, and so she talks about, there are more paradoxes then, like how could the crucifixion be just and unjust yeah. at the same time? So, uh, any any thoughts on her arguments there? No, I think they make perfect sense. I'm not. Gonna, it's, I, yeah. I, I, all I could do is repeat what she says, and there's no point in doing that. Mm. Um, but it, it, it is again, it, 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 you know, 
Titus was 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 a oppressor and a nasty conqueror, mm-hmm. and yet he was also in, in the in the larger sphere of things. He helped progress the movement of history in what for Dante is a divine way. Mm. So, uh, so, and I, I just, just yeah, this, just is, this is all part of that, that general scheme. Yep, and and adding like th- that things are are uh, joint of different different natures in the sense which so. In, the ter- in terms of the crucifixion, that for Christ as a human being, it is just because the hum- humanity needed to do atonement for straying away from the transcendent truth. Oh, yeah. But as a divine being, it is unjust. <coughs> so therefore, it is both just and unjust at the same time. And this is just how it is, <laughs> which is uh, an interesting, fascinating way of describing a, a paradox. That's right. So, That's right. At the heart of the world. I mean, look, what is the heart of, of Christianity? It is a cross. Mm-hmm. You see, and the cross is a paradox. Mm. It, it goes one way, it goes another way, and they, they're joined together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a contradiction, horizontal and vertical. They're contradictory uh, movements. Exactly. But they come together in this one. So, exactly. So, uh, you know, and the other point is, uh, was it Chesterton who said, or that, you know, the... the um, the only way you can express a real, the deepest truths is through paradox. Okay, yeah, yeah, that is beautiful. Partly because paradox makes you work. It makes you, as Beatrice says, True. deep within yourself. And I guess, You've got to get in there. I guess it's kind of a, like an ontological claim as well that that things, it depends on your perspective very often. Like you can, both things are right. It depends on how you look at it. And that's just how reality is. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. So See, this is a problem. Yeah. This is a problem with with the, like public figures today, where people say, "Well, look, you know, he did this to the, to, you know, mm-hmm. to his girlfriend when they were eighteen years old. Therefore, he doesn't deserve to have this public off." Well, you know, two different perspectives. Yeah. Let's have some nuance. Yeah, I mean, and then this is again like the maybe well, one of the most stunning things with Justinian's speech is he builds up this. Um, this huge view of um, of the the Roman Empire as the greatest civilization in history from Dante's perspective, uh, but then uh, how he suddenly zooms out and instead of saying that the Roman Empire did a bad thing with the crucifixion, he says they were giving the glory from the heavens to be the hand that materialized this necessary atonement. So that is one of those things where you suddenly change the perspective completely if you zoom out sufficiently. Uh, and then, in addition, he makes this argument that all the accomplishments of this great civilization of the Roman Empire is just very, very small compared to the significance of the redemption and the atonement in a spiritual yeah. sense for humanity that they had strayed, or we had strayed away from the transcendent truths, and then this this event was necessary to, in a sense, almost like having a an element in the human consciousness at large that this is necessary to to readjust things and get back to to, to where we should be. Yeah, you know, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be a very long process, though. <laughs> um, no, no, you know, one of the other connections here is it's interesting. Justinian, as you have you said, you know, he goes all the way back to Aeneas. Mm-hmm. Beatrice. Does one better? She goes all the way back to Adam. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, that's a good point. You know, so that's how each each step builds on the previous step to be more. But and then see, Adam's Adam's problem was that he broke the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
um, which had been set up. He broke, even just one little thing broke the whole thing. Yeah. That was enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what does that remind you of? It reminds you of Picarda and oh, yeah. Constanza, those who broke the, the, it's not a question of breaking the, the vow by, you know, g- getting married so much as as breaking the relationship that the vow had established. Exactly. And and so it's got to be atoned for somehow. Yeah. You see? And, and so and Adam broke the relationship and had to be atoned for somehow. But because that breakage was so severe mm. that that no human being had could say was powerful enough, worthy enough, whatever, to to, to do something even better to atone for it. So the only way you could do it the only way you could do it was to have God, all right, I'll do it for you. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, and at that points to another. Yeah. I was going to say, so G.K. Chesterton, um, I only read this once many years ago, many years ago, but I don't even remember what the name of this play was. But there's a play in which um, um, there's a puppeteer who comes along, he's got marionettes, and he, and he does this play. And it's just wonderful. You know, there's th- three couples and they all get together in the end and they get married the way they should be. And then somebody says, yeah, but they're just puppets. Well, mm-hmm. Why not make them like human beings with free will to do what they want? So the being act two, they're real people and they get together and they, they have the same script, but because they're, they're human, they, they, they mess everything up and they misunderstand things and everything goes wrong. It's they're completely off script. Mm. And then the voice of the puppeteer from up above says, all right, everybody stop. I'm coming down myself. All right. And you know, this, is, this is what Beatrice is saying. The only way we can fix all the mess you've made yeah. is I'm coming down myself. Yeah. It's true. I mean, this was a new perspective again for me this time reading it that in the same way that you as a person, like in a spiritual sense, like how you behave as a person has effect way beyond yourself and your own life. It affects other people yes. around you. It can affect the community, your town. And and in the longest span, it can have, have huge ramifications. And then in some sense, Dante is just making the point that this is the same for humanity. So when humanity as a whole, in a spiritual sense, is straying away from the truths, it has ramifications beyond humanity <laughs> in the spiritual realm or like the spiritual fabric that we don't see and we might not understand it. So that's the reason why uh, this is treated both and as like that we need both to do the atonement, to repair things and to go through the process of learning, but also that you need the divine uh, mercy and the divine forgiveness. In the same sense, like a little child can do bad things that creates more damage than they can <laughs> um, that they can fix for themselves uh, so they will then have to learn a lesson but there, there also has to there has to be some forgiveness but, but again the, the main point there was just that there is something bigger like this this un, unifying theme again that humanity is not the ultimate boundary or scale of things humanity is within something much bigger in the spiritual sense yeah, hmm. yeah. so uh which is another kind of mind-blowing thought, I would say. Um, and we're only on this second sphere. <laughs> exactly. We're only so. In I was thinking, in a sense, he has now given the whole big frame here. Like this is the ultimate frame in some sense. Like the transcendent truths are the big reality, and we are operating within it. And now he he uh, he has kind of placed humanity, civilizations, world history, like life on Earth, in a sense, within this bigger frame. 
So that's, um, and just within a few terse, it's in places where he makes this argument. Um, great. So uh, that is, in short, just going through these two and one third of a canto. Uh, so that's the way uh, it goes. You see this pattern, and this is the overall thoughts in a way, but the pattern goes. Um, um, in Canto Five, you get this general rush of everybody rushing down or up, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, uh, and just this whole group. And then Canto Six singles out one person um, who, who who merges, conjoins the universal, the office of of, of, of the eagle and the individual. Um, and then and then, what happened to Canto Seven? Is that Beatrice? Explains some of the points from the pre from the previous canto, so that it's not like jump from one to the next, but they all sort of linked. And yeah. what, I, what I think is amazing is that after Justinian gave this long, what 140 lines or whatever it was, um, um, speech, and Dante picks out just one problem. Mm -hmm. There's only one thing that's bothering him. And that's the just the just punishment, um, and and, uh, and Beatrice knows that exactly. Yeah, and and so so. She can. She picks that up, and so Canto Seven explains the problem in Canto Six, uh, and 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 it all just links all together. And besides the point that Canto Six spills into Canto Seven with Justinian's three lines and so on, um, and Canto Five says at the end, "Oh yes, he came. He came to um to you know he spoke to me, but you have to wait for the next Canto to hear what he said, exactly. so that you know the." It's it's all linked together, and that's that's the unity and the diversity of different things going on there. Exactly, um, he does something similar. And, and, yeah. and then and then and then in Canto Seven, um, Beatrice, Dante does, Dante has this question. He, not, he doesn't want to answer it to ask it, as you've said. Um, so Beatrice says, "I know what you're thinking. You are thinking this. So hmm. what we have here, and I love this. This is a, um, that Dante." The writer has puts words into the mouth of the character Beatrice, who is putting words in out of Dante, Dante the character's mind. True. So you've got this this conjoining of author, character, and other character, and it, and they they all come together. Exactly. There was something there that 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 shows that. Oh, and so and and I think it's when Dante says, um, yeah, he says if. Um, um, if I stopped right now, you would you'd be going crazy wondering what what, what they were going to say next. Mm. Well, I felt the same way. Yes, and and so what Dante is saying there is the conjoining of the reader and the writer, or the reader and the character. And we are there with him. We are just as as anxious for what's coming next as the character is. Exactly. Yeah. Not too many writers are going to act that way. But that's again breaking it's, forth. Exactly, it's almost like um, this is something like like modern uh, persuasion techniques as well. If you say something that that maps exactly onto <laughs> the one who's listening's thoughts, then you you create a strong uh, connection, and that's that's what he did. Like at that point when he says, "Yeah, if I stop now," and then you're thinking like, "No, don't stop now. <laughs> you want to hear the rest of it." Uh, yeah, can you imagine? I don't feel like going any further. I'm going to stop the poem here. Yeah, no! it's almost like a tease as well. Like, do you want me to yeah. stop or yeah. not? <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Uh, and I, Those are little points that we should, you know, tell people who think that this is such a heavy, heavy poem. Yeah. 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 It's, it's also yeah, a bit of encouragement for like the reader. Um, yeah, a tease. I, I like your word tease. Yeah. I, and I also like the, in the beginning, this is like one of the, the, the highlights for me, like with the Tercets, when he says that, uh, like about being uh, transmutable. So for straight after the sphere of the moon. So he says there, like in Italian, like, se la stella si cambiò e rise, like if the star is then changing and smiling more of, of Mercury when Beatrice comes. Qual mi feci io che pur da mia natura trasmutabile son per tutte guise. Like, uh, think then of me with my nature, who is transmutable in all sorts of ways or manners. So this is uh, another one, like, like a hint back to the reader, that we are now, we have learned things in the first sphere, and now we're ready to be changed. Like we, we have a, a mutable way of looking at the world. And, and that is also connects to how you can feel as a reader at this point. And, uh, and again, it's an inspiring way of looking at it. There, there's, more, <laughs> there's more growth coming here. So... Um, yeah, and I also like the the just the prayer he says there in Hebrew and Latin, which which is the the last words of Justinian, kind of his sign off, which is then Usanna Sanctus Deus Sabaoth Super Illustrans Claritate Tua Felicis Ignis Orum Malakoth. So, and just the effect that instantly has on on the pilgrim when and and the other souls in unity in a dance, as you said before, that is. Um, uh, kind of a step as well like a threshold you say that you say that but uh, you know in a sense hosanna and sabaoth are um were part of the liturgy anyway so they were sort of you know subsumed into latin into medieval latin yeah now malakot is isn't i don't know any other use of that word especially because it's wrong mm. <coughs> it's bad hebrew but it's mm. not dante's fault mm. exactly meaning the, the reigns <laughs> of of uh of the the, the angels there in the spheres. Um, Melech means king. Yep, exactly. Uh, okay, so then maybe bring this a little bit towards a close here. Um, like the overall themes. So I made a few notes there, like for Mercury, uh, like it has humanity in focus. It's about civilization and world history. It is also contrasting the personal focus to some extent or expanding the personal focus, might be better to say it. Um, you have more blessings for the souls. They have a stronger light. Uh, we're seeing also more of the transcendent and how the transcendent is shining through uh, both more strongly in uh, in the souls, but it's also shining through in the bigger scales of history. And it's also then unifying more of the world that you experience with the divine and the transcendent realms. So uh, it then in some sense, it can change the way you're thinking and apprehending the world in, in a practical sense. So um, do you have any thoughts like on the some, some highlights then or like uh, some... Um, some main takeaways. Highlights. What have, what, have I been, what have we been talking about the whole time? Is highlights? Mm. No, no, no. It's, it's interesting. I oh. I have this with several other like Dante obsessed <laughs> friends that uh, it it all depends on which perspective. Like what what was the best part? What was the most interesting? What was the biggest learning point? It always depends on from which perspective because it's so packed. Yeah. So it's hard to pick out something like overall doesn't really fit with, with yeah. Dante. But it would be a personal thing, like maybe what what made the biggest impression on you this specific time when you looked at it, for example? Well, I suppose, all, you know, all of the paradoxes. Okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, the, and the paradox of, of, of the ego, the persona, plus the soul. Mm. There's one thing we didn't talk about, which was um, 
um, that Justinian Justinian had the had the had the role of being military leader as emperor. Mm-hmm. That was his that was his role. That's what the emperor does, and he gave it up. See, like Romeo and so on, giving up. He gave it up and gave it to Belisarius, which is not quite historically accurate. I mean, you know, Belisarius had a little problem a little later on, but he gave it up. And Belisarius, who was he? What did, why did he give it to Belisarius? Because he he was conjoined with God. Mm. And I think that's where Dante uses the word conjungere. Yeah. Belisarius was conjoined with God, so he could, he could be trusted with the military. Mm. Let's hope all military leaders are conjoined with God. Yeah. Um, so that so that Justinian could take up the larger role of the lawmaker. Yeah. See, um, I guess it's also kind of helpful for like in a modern sense and to think that it also means that uh, like the general has like his orientation is towards the the, the good the transcendent good. Uh, it's not like he's he has. Like God on his side as a as a support is more that he's, well, he's, he's yeah I mean this is yeah, I know this is a little bit of a minefield to go out into but but it's it's at least is the idea that you're you're aiming for something beyond yourself transcendent that that kind of what Dante is trying to say yeah, same true. with Justinian like it Justinian so. is making the laws not not as this kind of genius lawmaker but he is aiming for something and then from that kind of comes the the shaping and and the way you express the laws so. Uh, just in terms of how Dante is viewing this. See, but if he breaks his relationship, mm. this goes back to the vows as well, but um, but also Adam's broken If he breaks his relationship by giving up the military, mm-hmm. he has to then, by, this, by the logistics that we've been told about, but he has to take on something even nobler or larger, which is the, what could be better for an emperor to do than to uh, set up the laws. Yeah. Yeah, good point. So, yeah, excellent. Uh, okay, so I thought at the very end here, uh, just for the listeners, something practical. Like, what can people do practically and take out as a lesson from this sphere? Like, something they can do or view the world, or, or just kind of start practicing in their own lives. Uh, <laughs> do you have any ideas on that? Yeah. Well, again, you go back to paradox and diversity and unity. Um, yeah. Um, just, just you know, you. I'm out, I'm out walking the dog several times a day, and so I come across somebody, you know, walk. Someone's walking towards me. Now I can, I can, you can judge that person, saying, "Oh God, how can she wear, you know, a, a, a hat like that?" And and and, and all, you know, all the, you can judge. Oh, well, how lovely she is. And those are all, um, you know, her diversity. She's different, um, but the paradox is she's also. Uh, in unity, and 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 she's my sister, and we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, and and you know, if you can keep playing around with those with with the, the paradoxes that are around us all the time, it's a great exercise for your imagination, yeah. if nothing else, if you just want to practice. But it it is it is opening up to the divine. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's it's great. It's uh, it creates a flexibility as well, like for your for your thinking. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, like I, uh, I had the two two thoughts on this one. That uh, in a practical sense, again, like first is seeing the unit and the group, like that you can see both at the same time. 
uh, I keep mentioning the the image of the flock of birds. Like a, you can see it as a as a group of bird, like a, a collection of of uh, of of birds, like as a unit, or you can see an individual bird. And this is something you can practice. It goes a little bit into what you say here about paradox, but like just how you you constantly can do this, uh, like in your life when you walk down the street or something that you can you can see units and the whole at the same time. So this is this is one practical thing that Dante is really trying to train us as a reader I, I think when we're reading it um, and the other one is to see the transcendent shining through the world then especially in this this uh, sphere is about the cultures and the societies but that you you can you can start practicing and training this for yourself as well when you when you're considering and pondering things to so reflect on things that you can try to imagine then like is the is the like the, the mystery the transcendent and the, the truth is how is this aligned? Is it shining through this, or how much is it shining? Like to which degree is this? The, which is the opening of the paradiso? Like in some parts more, and some parts less. Uh, but it's, yeah. but it, it could be an aspect that you can have as a presence in in the way you look at the world. So, um, which will be um, yeah, yeah. Uh, helpful, I think, because yeah, it, it makes you understand more of the world. It makes you. Um, it's also yeah, like a flexibility for your brain. So. Um, yeah, so any final thoughts uh, before we wrap this up? No, I thought that was a final thought. That yeah. was a good final thought. All right, so... Uh, wrap it, wrap it, man, wrap it. Exactly. So, the, well, then we can let that be the final note for today. And uh, just then, thank you so much to everybody for listening. And thanks so much again to our uh, guest and our co-host today, Professor Robert Louis Abrahamson. And uh, if you have any thoughts or comments, just write to us at Dante's Divine Comedy at substack.com, or you can leave a comment on our website, Dante's Divine Comedy.substack.com. So thanks much, everyone, and we'll be back soon with another episode. See you then. Mm-hmm.